imagine actually having a team of Galton, Miedema, Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second minute. I've never scored a 90 second minute winner. I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, we wanted to get stuck into a couple of football talking points, of course, you know, in an alternate universe, Ireland will be playing, what, against Turkey tomorrow night or against some don't, team anyway. Don't do it to yourself, yeah, don't do it don't, to yourself. Don't think about it. So, the world number one team are coming to town, we couldn't be more excited. Exactly, the world number one team with all their caps are in Dublin this weekend. Uh, like, well, I mean, they're not actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. They've left all their caps at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I, like I, on, a, on a, one, a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for the return of Republic of Ireland football again? Because it feels well, there's been a buzz even around friendlies up until this point for the last couple of years. There is, but I, I don't know if uh, you go through a similar sensation when it comes to Irish football where the games tend to creep up on you because it's this relentlessness of the Premier League. And even when it comes to qualifiers, I wouldn't say I don't get massively excited, but until the day of the game, you're listening to the press conferences. There's not a huge amount interesting in them quite often. But it's the fallout. Like, there's every possibility next Monday, even though it's a friendly against Belgium. Like, Belgium will turn up and will expect to win this game. That we're wondering how we can't beat a second string Belgium team. Looking at the uh, Irish football of the last 20 years, why we haven't been producing players like Belgium. How can we follow the Belgium model and we'll do this massive deep dive over the next week and then we'll sort of return to normality again at the Premier League. And that's the cycle of international football. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's just such a shame that. Like we're a year away from the start of the European Championship qualifiers. I here I'm the number one advocate of the Nations League, uh, and that the games are important. But we don't know what is going to come in June. Whether we'll you know have any games, whether we'll have four games in the space of ten days or two weeks, uh, it's totally up in the air right now. So these games. They're good to keep momentum. There's obviously huge interest. Like they're talking about 48,000 tickets sold for a friendly. Like that is absolutely insane. There's barely any other country in world football who's selling 48,000 tickets for a friendly. When you haven't qualified for a major tournament, then you're not in the build-up to something. So there clearly is a buzz. There's, there's no doubt that there's something going on uh, around Irish football, that people are buying into this and exciting to see this team. And even the fact that Belgium aren't bringing De Bruyne and Lukaku and Hazard, you know, they still want to go and they want to get behind this Irish side. Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's getting back out, but... I think that'll create something. Like, you can't not feel like it's an important game on Saturday if there's a sellout crowd. Well, they should advertise it around Hazard and just not reveal the first name of the Hazard that's going to be in town and just say, <laughs> come watch Hazard. Well, it reminds me of when I, when I uh, was asked to voice the advertising campaign for the Carling Nations Cup. And basically, I had to start with the name of a player. So it was Bill Keane. I'm trying to think who else played. Evans. And it turned out none of these players were <laughs> being selected when it came down to it for the uh, Carling Nations Cup. Uh, what, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to try and get into uh, the head of Stephen Kenny, and uh, no better man to do that than Nathan Murphy, who sits through every press conference. And uh, love that man. So you're, you're going to give us uh, a, a full preview of what his first choice eleven is going to be. So, so how are we picking this team this morning? So I think this will be the team that starts against Belgium on Saturday and I think it'll be very close to the team that starts whatever the First Nations League game is uh, come June. And I think I would expect that what he'll do this week is go out all guns blazing against Belgium because they are the world number one. You beat them. like There's huge world ranking points. And then Lithuania is the match where he'll do a little bit of experimenting. Uh, so I think Saturday, Gavin Bazuna will be in goal. 
I think Gavin Bazuna will stay in goal until something changes dramatically at club level, and that could happen quite quickly. 20 years' time, he'll be still starting for I don't go along with that this is a done deal. Like Mark Travers was up in front of the media, and were every possibility come March this time next year that he has a full season of Premier League behind him. And where are Cuevin Keller? Where are Gavin Bazuna? Like, it's totally out of our hands. It's totally out of Stephen Kenny's hands. But until something happens and Bazunu isn't playing first-team football and one of the others is at a high level all the time, I think Bazuna will stay in goal. And deservedly so. He's, mm. you know, he's been absolutely outstanding and is so integral to the way Ireland want to play. Um, so I think that's set in stone. Our defence is interesting. At the moment, with Omobamadele out and Darrow O'Shea just returning, I'd expect he'll stick with that back three of Seamus Coleman, Shane Duffy and John Egan. We do have options there with Omobamadele and Darrow O'Shea uh, heading towards the summer and maybe one of them, if they can get a long run of games in the first team, which looks unlikely for Omobamadele, they can force their way in, which would mean a little bit of a reshuffle where you'd put Coleman at right wing back and you might put uh, Doherty to left wing back. But for this weekend, and maybe he settled on it after the last two internationals that actually Matt Doherty's at his best. Like Matt Doherty's started more games under Stephen Kenny than anybody else. He's you know, playing at the highest level of any outfield player. He looks like he's in absolutely smashing form. And I think he's actually done quite well at times under Stephen Kenny. I know he gets he's done really well stick. under Stephen Kenny. Yeah, he gets, he, much like himself and Jeff Hendrick are two players, I think because of their demeanour. Like, mm. Matt Doherty never looks like he gives a damn about anything. Uh, but anyone you talk to who knows Matt Doherty says he, like, he does. He absolutely does. But, you know, we'd like our Irish players to be full of blood and guts and to show it. You know, tears during the anthem is what we look for. And I don't think that's ever going to be Matt Doherty. But he has. His best performances have been over the last 18 months, um, either on the right-hand side or the left-hand side. So I, I don't think there's a huge debate at the moment about that back three with the other players. But if you look at a depth chart, like if you were looking at a depth chart, yeah. Darrow Shea, Andrew Omabamadele and Nathan Collins mm. as your next three and in three years' time being your three centre-halves, like that's pretty exciting. We're in a great nick at centre-back. Um, Darty's a funny one. He's a, he's a type of player, if you go to see, if you go to the games and um, one of the games I was fairly close to touchline, I was kind of at, at his touchline. You really see how comfortable he is. Like, it's just his body language. He's really, really, you know, everything comes so easy to him. Like, it really struck me um, how, how he just made it look easy. And I'm delighted that he's got a run of games. I don't I don't see Coleman playing wing back again at all, to be honest. Just about to ask, I was like, it does feel that there are certain elements of that back three where the stock isn't as high as it was before mm. Christmas he's not Seamus Col- oh, there go the lights Seamus Coleman no. he doesn't have the when you start talking about Seamus Coleman in yeah. a potentially <laughs> negative way he will strike down upon you he doesn't have the pace for right wing back anymore like so it's I think I could look quite good in the dark it yeah. me. <laughs> um, so yeah I, I'd, uh, what, what about left wing back then what about left wing back? Well, you picked McLean. I, I, so this weekend, McLean will start. Enda Stevens is injured. Uh, he did throw Enda Stevens straight back in against Portugal uh, last time out, which would suggest that he still feels that Stevens is the best option there. Um, but McLean, I know it's at League One, so it's hard to say he's in the form of his career because you know he did it for a consistent period at, at Premier League level. Uh, but you know he's having he's having a mighty good time of a mm. Wigan at the moment. Looks like he's enjoying his football. Kenny again, I think likes the energy. You know, he 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 maybe doesn't offer quite as much an attack as he once did, but I think can provide um, the cover and like his fitness. Like his fitness rating is insane. 
uh, the level that he's still at at 31. So I don't, I don't see Ryan Manning really forcing his way in there right now. Maybe he gets an opportunity in the friendly against Lithuania. Uh, but it's probably Stevens, maybe Doherty, if he decided to go with Coleman again at right wing back. Uh, and McLean are the three at the moment with McLean this weekend with Stevens out injured getting the opportunity. Joel Bagan is interesting going forward. Mm. Like Manning, Manning's not even playing left wing back for his club. That's the problem as well. Like so, um, I and again, I'm not sure he's he really has the pace to make that position his own. Unfortunately, and the chances Manning's had with the Ireland team, I know they've been few and far between. Mm. Really hasn't worked out for him. Mm. He hasn't grabbed it with both hands. So, you know, I think McLean uh, again a player who can divide opinion, uh, but you know has put the head down. I think he's been a lot more solid uh, uh, over the last couple of years and because he's doing so well at club level uh, I think he'll be in uh, Can we talk about that midfield then Hendrick and Cullen uh, like I mean we can see them up on screen there that that's the midfield that you think uh, Stephen Kenny's going to go with it's obviously been something that's worked quite well at times over the last little while in terms of their form over the last little while outside of the Ireland camp how have they been going? Uh, well, Josh Cullen's playing on a regular basis, obviously. We had him on the show uh, just before Christmas, um, playing over in Belgium and, and doing well uh, under Vincent Kompany. Uh, like Jeff Hendrick isn't getting much of an opportunity, so maybe we'll get on to Jamie McGram, sure, and not playing first-team football. Maybe the fact that Jeff Hendrick is sat on a bench at St. James's Park the majority of the time is going to count against him. The problem Stephen Kenny has is what other options are there. Maybe he goes with Conor Howerhan. Uh, in the middle of midfield. I don't think Jason Malumby is ready to play international football in the middle of midfield. Like, Howerhan is definitely next in line right now and is, you know, in and around that first team at Sheffield United. Uh, but Hendrick, Hendrick is one of Kenny's best players. He always, always picks him. Um, again, somebody who gets hammered consistently and I don't see it a lot of the time as to what the criticism is. Like, ah, well, he's definitely been better under Kenny. He's been, oh, sorry, he's yeah. been better under Kenny, and he, after Euro twenty sixteen. But even under Kenny, he's been getting a lot of stick. Mm. But that system seems to suit him. Like maybe the system in itself is a talking point. Uh, now that Anthony Barry is gone, it does seem Anthony Barry was a very influential voice in that move to a three four three. I'm not sure John Eustace. Not sure John Eustace will have the same impact. Uh, Stephen Kenny uh, was <laughs> in his press conference yesterday. Uh, you know, was asked about the appointment. He was also asked. I don't know if you saw the quotes of uh, he oh, had basically English hammered type. English coaches a yeah. couple of years ago. Uh, at first, denied that he had said this. Then, sort of tried to move on. Taking out swiftly. of context. But his his comments about changing to three at the back after the England game, I thought, were interesting. In that um, when he when he had that recent press conference, where it was more so. Um, well, this wasn't really an Anthony Barry thing. This was something that uh, I decided after we were so poor against mm. England. I, I think there's there might be a small bit of historic revisionism there. It's like, well, we're moving on from Anthony Barry here. Yeah. Um, there is. And no manager in the world is going to sit there and say, yeah, my assistant coach is this, the genius yeah. here. We, we are going to need to uh, get the lights a quick sorted. break here. Like, I mean, we could just put on our phones and uh, like, I guess actually see how that actually works. Like a that gig. That's just a little bit haunting, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Stephen Kisby Green in our team says this brings a whole new meaning to Nathan's League of Ireland after dark and he's not wrong. <laughs> and Richard, Ireland late night, I'll uh, let you know. It, it'd be a bit more like that if myself and Johnny had a glass of wine in the corner, I think. <laughs> yeah. At, at half seven in the morning. And we Richard, are thinking of going on Tuesday. We're going well, to go. Oh, we're back. Look at this. We do not need to take a break. Richard Redball has been in touch to say, Jerry Gilroy coming into the office stresses The Undertaker again uh, which is uh, possibly <laughs> true uh, it looks like we're good it looks like we're, we're good we can, I think we, we are we can almost keep a bit bright uh, now we can keep, yeah. yeah we are going to be League of Ireland late night is going to have a special international flavour next Tuesday night we're going to be on after the Lithuania game so what are you going to call that then 
<laughs> Republic of Ireland late night. Stephen Kenny late night. Stephen yeah. Kenny late night. <laughs> um, bring us on to the front three then, Nathan. Yeah, I think this is uh, another area, much like the defence, where... We we have options, maybe not quite at the level. I think we have options uh, defensively. So the three I think he will go with this time on Sunday or on Saturday are Jason Knight, Chidozi Ogbene behind Callum Robinson, uh, no Adamida. The Jamie McGrath story it sort of got passed over when the squad was announced. Like, the fact that Jamie McGrath is not in the squad is. Pretty shocking. Mm. Jim McGrath started board games against Portugal, started the last match against Serbia. He looked like a player who was, if he wasn't in that first choice 11, he was player number 12 and was always going to be making some sort of an impact. So I assumed when I saw the squad and he wasn't there that there'd be some sort of a niggly injury and understanding he hadn't been playing any football at all at Wigan. But you felt that Stephen Kenny, while club football was important, he felt he had a player in Jamie McGrath who could really do a job for him and was very important to the system he wanted to play. But, you know, Kenny has said this week that it's basically, he hasn't played any football. It's remarkable that he has gone from a position where he was so highly rated up at St. Mirren to signing for Wigan and can't even make the first team squad. Any idea what's happened there? Well, well, they're flying, seems to be the main thing. So Wigan are playing well. They're not changing their team um, whether there's something else going on that he can't even make the first-team squad, I'm not quite sure about. But Kenny's viewpoint on it is that you've got to assume he's not going to make the first-team squad between now and the end of the season. So can I go into the Nations League in June with a player who basically hasn't played in six months and he feels with Jamie McGrath he can't? Now, maybe there's a message been sent out to other players of choose your moves if you're going to go and take a, a That would role be very harsh. Where you're not going to play. But we had Jim Goodwin on not long before he left St Mirren and not long before Jamie McGrath left St Mirren and he really wasn't happy with how it was all being dealt with and mm. felt that Jamie McGrath was getting bad advice that he should stay at the club for the next six months take his move during the summer uh, but that he's playing the best football of his career there was obviously a lot of speculation that he would have gone to Aberdeen at the time that seemed to be denied by the club but it does seem that Jim Goodwin was right. Like, Wigan was not the destination. Whatever guarantees he got, whatever was put on the table, to end up in the position at 25 where you're not even making the squad. And at six months where it felt like he was about to catapult to this whole other level, to not play any football uh, is incredibly frustrating. And that does change the dynamic. It opens up a spot. Then you've Conor Ronan, who is at St. Mirren, mm. flying it like. Who I'd expect will get some, some game time, certainly on Tuesday night against Lithuania. Adam Eden up in there means I think Robinson will lead the line. There is a possibility he puts Will Keane in there to lead the line and again plays Robinson's slightly deeper role. But Jason Knight is the one who will come in, I'd expect, and replace Jim McGrath. And Jim McGrath may never get that place back now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It might be like the it might be the death knell for potential for his international career. Well the last the last game was the match over in Luxembourg where Jason Knight came off the bench and you know turned the game. Uh, the three goals all as a result of his impact. So this is his opportunity now. He's back. He's face. He's obviously had his injury problems before the last international break. So you would hope that Jim McGrath, or Jason Knight takes this opportunity and uh, comes in and does make it his own. And actually, we don't need to have this debate. Uh, ben is clearly a player that Stephen Kenny likes and the supporters love and brings an energy and sort of gets you off your seat. So I think he'll keep his place as well. And Robinson obviously is almost one of the first choice players, whether that's as the number nine or slightly deeper. Uh, but I think that's a 
you know, I think that's a, a good, strong team. I think we need to be realistic in, in terms of still the way show. we're talking about them, uh, considering the level that a lot of these players are at. But it does Listen. seem as though there's a sort of stability in the system and almost in the first choice 11 we probably probably take it for granted how strong the standard is at the top of league one as well like and how difficult it is for some players like St Mirren to Wigan is not necessarily a straightforward path like you look at um, Georgie Kelly as well going to Rotherham not happening for him at all like at the moment so it's um, it's you know it's, it's it, it can be a very good level it's so, but it's so it seems so random to me at the same time like it did feel that uh, uh, before Christmas when Ogbeni was flying for Ireland it was like well this guy's clearly good enough for championship for like the top half of the championship and if you had said to me Jamie McGrath is not going to be able to get into a squad at the same level that Ogbeni is currently playing mm. like how is that even possible like it, it is just so strange how this has happened to McGrath and maybe it is just that we're underrating how good either Ogbeni is or how high the standard is at the top of League One but is it is it two green tinted glasses to suggest that Jamie McGrath and what we've seen of him at St Mirren and out of Ireland should be getting into a, a League One squad? I, okay. I don't know what style like Wigan play necessarily and how that would suit Jamie McGrath. Whereas like Benny, you know, it's fairly straightforward the way he plays. And like St Mirren, the, the SPL, if you take out Celtic and Rangers, like the standard yeah. is completely different, even yeah. to probably the top of League One, like um, resources and wages and everything else. So like. Um, I don't know, it's a different... Like, Jim, Jim, I have to say, I was very surprised at how well Jamie McGrath did because I, I didn't really see it in the League of Ireland that he was as good as he looked for Ireland and he's had some very good forms as Ireland. whereas with the likes of Conor Ronan, you could see with the 21s, this lad's really, really talented. Mm. Um, but I think what Nathan's touching on there in terms of you have to make the right move as well and it just sounds like he did not. And, you know, you look at... Um, Obafemi and you know the, the chat was that like well his agent has relayed that he doesn't see himself as a 21 player and you're, whoever's advising you it is important as well you know uh, can I just ask then uh, just to finish up on that team sheet Jason Knight obviously we just put it up on screen there the graphic is on the, the left of a front three he obviously drops deep in front of the midfield but he can also play out on, on the left of a front three can he or do you think obviously uh, I think it'll be more a 3 4 2 1 uh, with, as you say, Ogbené Knight Knight dropping Knight probably the one who'll drop deeper at times Ogbené the one who'll push up and support uh, Robinson at times, but the great thing about watching Ireland in the last couple of games was the rotation mm-hmm. yeah. you look at a couple of the goals he scored, but also when I was at a like a uh, beginner's coaching course last week and they were showing clips you of... You go to a coaching course? Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's something I was. I've often thought about well, doing. Not, not for this job, for my actual coaching career. Job. Oh, okay. You know, this the under eights deserve the best in this country, Johnny. It's not for a better like knowledge of the game per se. It's more that you're you've coached ambitions yourself. Ex- well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Listen, you're Stephen, Kenny the job. Is, Stephen Kenny has given us all an ambition of we can achieve something in Irish football now. Uh, but they were showing uh, lots of different clips within it of. Listen, it's way above uh, that level, but of. Uh, good attacking Irish play and transitions and things like that and like, some of the football and some of the movement at times was just exceptional and I think that's like that's what's most exciting that these players seem to understand the system and uh, yeah, as, as I said I do think Ben and Knight will play um, slightly deeper than whoever the number nine is whether that's um, Robinson or you know maybe Will Keane comes in who at times actually is playing a bit deeper in Wigan himself uh, yeah I think it's Belgium. It's, it'll be interesting to see. I think you're touching a good, you go, a good point though, because like Belgium are already coming as a team that are obviously, as you alluded to, they're missing their main players. So it, it's a bit of a, a perfect storm for this to go badly for Ireland, because Ireland have some players that you're like, well, 
like the likes of Hendrick, for example. Not, not no idea what form he's in. Seamus Coleman has had some really poor games for Everton. Um, even even McLean, like he's he's playing at Wigan, like so. And then you're looking at you're looking at our team, and you're like Belgium could could have a very good night here and we don't want that at all um, because it, it would just completely interrupt the momentum that we've built up so it, it's it's going to be a really interesting game I think like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't see how it can be a bad thing from an Irish point of view that De Bruyne and Lukaku and those players aren't there in that you know, you might think, oh, well, maybe they're turning up here and they're going through the motions. They're thinking about Premier League and Champions League. But, you know, you think back to 2016, mm. and, you know, that was a stronger Irish squad on paper and how they ripped Ireland to pieces. Mm. The flip of that is that, you know, Belgium have a genuine chance of winning the World Cup in mm. December. And the players who are coming here, a lot of them are trying to force the way either into the team or even into the 23. And this is these couple of matches that Belgium have are their one opportunity to say to Roberto Martinez, you got to pick me. Totally, yeah. So they're not going to be going, it, it'll be the opposite. These Belgian players, you can't imagine, are going to be going through the motions at all. Like Benteke, Bachawi, Origi, all in that squad. And there's a good chance all three of them don't make the final 23. So mm. that'd be the worry. And as you're right, that the way it'll be framed is Ireland have been beaten by basically a second string Belgian side. Yeah. When, like, I mean, they're going up against Yuri uh, Tielemans in midfield. Yeah, like, and basically, who would be the best player in the squad? Like, I think the, the 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 crowd being back though is such a boost for us. Like, there will be a really good atmosphere there. As Nathan says, uh, the games I've been at as well, and basically games that were effectively dead rubbers. Um, this is just, we we spoke about it in contrast to the rugby yesterday. But there's a smashing atmosphere at Ireland games at the moment. Yeah, there really is. And even when it was pre-COVID, as you mentioned there, uh, for a couple of those home games that were like capacity within the restrictions, mm. there was a real buzz in the stadium. There's one other thing we want to touch on here, Nathan, and it's uh, five players with the most to gain in the coming months with Ireland. You've, you've picked your top five here. Yeah, um, we touched on some of these already, but I think Nathan Collins, um, with Oma Bamadele out injured, I would expect that Collins will certainly start the uh, second game against Lithuania. And he's a player who's stuck in that Sean Dyche rut where Tarkowski and me always start, always start. But... Tarkowski is going to leave during the summer. Hopefully they manage to stay in the Premier League. And if they do, he's going to be first choice. And the great thing then is, when you're first choice under Sean Dyche, you'll play every single week. So, you know, Collins, every time he's played, I know he got sent off recently, but by and large, he has looked comfortable at that level. He's a big, big man for a young guy. Uh, has a real presence about him. Again, I, I think he can force his way in there because if Shane Duffy is another year, you know, in a year's time, where does he go? Does he get mm. football? Maybe there's an opportunity in the heart of that Irish defence for one of those three. Uh, Will Keane could well start on Saturday. He's banging in the goals for Wigan. Like, and a striker uh, isn't something we really have. Somebody who's in form. You know, he's heading for 30, but we've had, you know, if you look at the Dave McGoldrick example of someone coming in later in their career, uh, making an impact. So I think, again, with McGrath being out, Adam Eda being out, Probably still maybe a step ahead of a, a Troy Parrott, unless Kenny's thinking, you know, I'm going to just give Parrott more game time. But for the here and now, I think Will Keane might get a, couple, a good few opportunities over the next year or so. Uh, Adam Brown's an interesting one. Mm. Like, Adam Brown started the first two games of the World Cup qualifying campaign, then had several COVID issues and had several injury issues and didn't really feature but is always in the squad whenever he's fit. Uh, could fit in to one of those roles just behind... Uh, the striker could maybe play in the midfield too as well. Like he's basically at the prime of his career. I think he turns is it twenty six in the next uh, next few weeks. Playing at a good level at Preston, you know, playing Championship week in week out. 
thinking when I was thinking about Alan Brown because I was comparing him to Jack Byrne recently. Like, there's no League of Ireland players in this squad, and nobody's even mentioned it yet. For decades, we've hammered managers. Yet somehow Stephen Kenny, the one man we thought would be uh, all over it, it's hasn't not, selected any of them. It's not really true. Like most of the League of Ireland bashing was just it was very League of Ireland uh, biased. Like because it's rare that we've said, "Oh, he should definitely be in the squad." We're talking about Evans, like. Well, we, exactly, and I, I think. Actually, most of those better League of Ireland players of the last couple of years have maybe gone abroad, and that's the way they'll have to go. And look, Jack mm. Byrne's obviously not fully fit at the moment, so wasn't really in contention. But when we're talking about Jack Byrne getting in, like Alan Brown is playing Championship football every week and has done for five, six years at this stage. Uh, you know, the, the night over in Slovakia when he came on and played the last hour, he was brilliant. So Brown is someone I wouldn't be surprised if he can actually stay fit. Is another one who over the next couple of years becomes an integral part of the starting eleven. Uh, Darrow Shea was clearly a player that Kenny loved, uh, picked up that horrible injury, is just working his way back to fitness. Again, probably not quite ready to start on Saturday, but seemed probably to be the top of those three of O'Shea, Omobamadele and Collins. And I'd expect he'll get back there again and be in a position that like, maybe he takes Seamus Coleman's place or certainly somebody's mm-hmm. place. Um, over the next while and then Jason Knight I think is clearly the one with the most to gain over the next while with McGrath's absence with the impact he made in that last half an hour in Ireland's last game uh, I, I really hope that he does grab it and that we can sort of settle on him as one of that first choice 11 and then see what happens with the summer um, as to where he ends up with Derby because I think you've got to assume uh, he's going to go I know Wayne Rooney was uh, talking about Festia Bezele and not been too happy or too impressed that Ebizello decided to go to Italy, that he should have stayed in English football. He's already moved from Ireland to England, now he's moving from England to Italy. Mm. It's just going to confuse the lad. He's definitely a lad that's going to be on that, he's going to be on your shortlist radar of players that are going to be on the up, like he's, uh, for Ireland, he's he's just waiting to take off of them, I think. Yeah, I, listen, maybe Wayne Rooney's a bit peeved that this has been announced mid-season or something, but... Mm-hmm. I, and maybe he's right. Maybe we get too excited about Udinese, where if he signed for Sheffield United, uh, we'd be going, well, yeah, we've, got, we've already got players at Sheffield United. Okay, can uh, we just go, go through these comments now? Because I think this is, this is fascinating, like, and I think it's a good insight into maybe Wayne Rooney and English football as a whole. So uh, on Festi, he said, I said a few months ago, he can be a superstar. He can be what he wants. He really needs to keep his focus, his concentration, and keep learning to develop. He mentions his pace and his powers, his attributes. If you're asking me, do I think it is the right move for him, then no, I don't. I think he should stay in England, whether it is a move where he goes there to go back to England. Obviously, we know Udinese are a sister club to Watford. We we don't know. I think he should have stayed in England, kept learning to play the game here. Then he really has a chance. And it's always difficult for a young player to go abroad. Like, well, I mean, the young player has already gone abroad to England yes, at this point. Like, yeah, so. evoking memories of Liam Brady here. It does, it does, that does annoy me. Like, you know, where England is, like, England was a massive problem for Irish players going to a foreign country and couldn't settle at all. And, like, it's not the same as, like, uh, getting a two hour train ride here, you know. And, um, no, the standards of English, the st- sorry, the standards of Italian football are up for debate a bit. In fairness, it's not like oh my god, Udinese. Like mm. Italian football is nowhere near what it was. But it's not the, I'd like the, the, the thing that would excite me about this move, for example, is not so much the standard; it's to do with the style of play. Mm. And you, I know we keep using Josh Cullen as the, the the sort of single reason why Irish players should be going further afield in England, and it's not enough of a sample size whatsoever. But still, Josh Cullen went to Belgium and has uh, made a pretty good career for himself playing a brand of football that is conducive to how Stephen Kenny wants to play football. 
So I don't know. I think that the, this is when I saw Udinese, it wasn't so much. Oh, this is a team that I, I that we were in the, the Champions League about fifteen years ago, and this is fantastic. It's more to the fact that it's like interesting. There's going to be people bringing a different style of football into the Ireland camp, totally, as opposed to the very English slash Irish uh, or slash Scottish style that that predominantly exists within this playing group. It's becoming a team as well, where this is this is becoming fairly normal. I don't know if you've seen much from Nathan like as Derby. He's yeah, the, the bits I've seen, he's looked really impressive. He's totally explosive, like, and mm. he's he's really, and apparently he's you know great attitude. Uh, you know, in terms of him versus Ogbeni, I'd imagine if you took an uh, impartial manager, he would say, well, Obaselli's doing it at Derby here. He's playing better than Ogbeni, I'd say in some respects, but he obviously just has a little bit to go. But I think this is just the start of it with Irish players, mm. and it's. It's exciting, and we may not see the full benefits of it for another five or ten years, but we do need to move on from our obsession with English football. And the more young kids that go, the more to be normalised, and other young kids will think, actually, you know, well, Italy isn't as far away as it was in the 80s. You can get a flight home in, mm. you can get a flight home now in two hours from Italy. Uh, you know, these are young, smart, educated kids who are probably far better positioned to learn the language, to settle in, and we want them playing European football. We want them playing Europa League football. Like It is so noticeable. I've touched on this before, commentating on the Europa League and every country around Europe being represented with the exception of Irish players. And you go through, whether it's Slovenia or Estonia or Lithuania, any of those countries that we would see ourselves probably being a step above, their players feed into, whether it's the German League or the French League, and it's not always, it doesn't need to be Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich, but four or five, six teams from those countries end up playing in Europe. And they end up then getting that exposure to a different type of football in the Europa League and the Champions League. And our young players haven't had that for you know 20 years at this stage. So anything that brings more of those young guys to Italy... And Udinese is a good calibre. Like, it won't be a straightforward thing for them to even break into that team. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a lot of internationals uh, there at the moment. You know, it, They have that link with Watford, so maybe he goes there for a year and he comes back and he plays at Watford, who by then will probably be back in the Premier League uh, the way things go at Watford mm. so like, the more young players that go to Italy that we'll probably move past the stage where we're unbelievably excited about somebody going to Inter Milan or AC Milan because again it's the same as them going to you know almost Liverpool or Tottenham or somewhere there's no guarantee it's like a Troy Parrott going to Spurs there's no guarantee they're going to make it there but at least who goes further him or a Banqua? <sighs> yeah, Banqua's a centre back which might make it easier in some respects yeah, Paris already have a full season, I guess, of men's football under his belt now. It doesn't feel as though Paris going to make it at Tottenham. Um, I meant to like Ebosele or Abanqua, sorry. I think Ebosele mm. at this stage, you know, again, he has that full year of first team football, but like, isn't it great that we're talking about Two several of these to... players and Zeffi and Cahill Heffernan going over, uh, Josh Cullen, like, you'd love some of those Irish players actually in their mid-twenties to think, do I want to sit on the bench in the Premier League of the Championship or would I go off and play in Belgium and play Europa League football as a part of that? Like that's That'd be a great position to get to. We'll probably will never get to that, but there's a lot of money involved. The flip side of the comments as well from Wayne Rooney, and I know that he's been such a... He's, he's kind of entrenched himself as a legend of Derby County this season. But these guys are trying to carve out a career and looking at a club who have got fewer points than everybody else in the division, more games played than the teams that are that they're battling for relegation. Derby County are going down, and when they go down, they're, in a, they're a club that's in a lot of trouble. If you're a festy and you're looking around, granted you've got a fantastic manager who looks like he's doing a brilliant job. 
mean, you want to jump ship, like, and uh, if you want to improve your career and you and you want to keep playing at that level. So I, I, I absolutely can. I, I'm, I'm not. While I, I fully respect Wayne Rooney, I think he's done a brilliant job as a manager so far. Um, I don't know about these these comments. Uh, Maybe recently. Wayne Rooney's right. He sees him in training every day. Maybe he looks at his style and thinks he is perfectly suited to. A top championship team or a mid-ranking Premier League side in maybe, he, to maybe he looks well. at his personality and says you know what I think this kid might struggle over in Italy when he's away from his mates but you know he's uh, yeah, I, I, and he's been just he's been just fine that doesn't seem to be the case either but um, I don't know it's it's like we're talking about this the normalisation of kids going to like Italy now and stuff how great is that yeah no you it's know? true it's true um, I think the different sort of DNA of the Irish players coming up is attracting um you know clubs as well, like uh, you know the, the your glory as well from Pats and the Kevin Zeffi. I think I think his family may even have moved over to Italy. Like so, it's kind of it's slightly different, and it's it's probably not as big of a deal as like I think for a lot of Irish players, this idea of going to a non English speaking country was just like not even in their head. But I think this is normalising it a lot, and just hopefully now some of these moves work out, and we we'll say everyone. Every Saturday we'll be talking about James Bank or, or Ebiselli, how well they're doing. We'll be back watching Italian football again. Yeah, for sure. Very quickly, Nathan, before we finish up, you are at the Troy Parrot press conference the other day. Any nuggets to bring us? A newfound maturity from Troy Parrot right. was the message that he uh, clearly was trying to get out there. Um, said he had a little bit of an awakening uh, over the last season, uh, maybe even at a time when he had a dip in form at MK Dons, uh, where he was starting to struggle to make the team there, that he realised, you only get one shot at this. As Eminem said, you only get one shot, and Troy has realised that. So said that you he kind of get several shots, though, don't you? I mean, well, that's the great thing about football. You know, you, yeah. think, you think you're gone, but then somebody else will pick you up. You, and you can start at the bottom, work yourself back up. But uh, yeah. listen, he spoke. He spoke. Uh, you know, he's still a very young guy. He's, um, you know, only twenty. We sort of expect a huge amount from Troy Parrott, and I guess he's had to learn a lot. Like down in League One, uh, it's a tough old gig, week in, week out, twice a week. You got to perform. So, yeah, he, he certainly spoke like a young man who realised that. You know, two and a half years ago, everyone thought he's on the verge of breaking into the Tottenham team. He's the next Harry Kane, and I'm sure he bought into that a little bit as well. That it's going to be a longer road, and yeah, said that he's you know uh, acting differently on the pitch, acting differently off the pitch, making sure he's primed whenever he's on the pitch, that he's in the best possible shape, and all that. So yeah, said all the right things. You just hope now he can kick on. He'll be going back to Spurs during the summer for preseason. Uh, you expect another loan move uh, unless Antonio Conte sees something he likes and maybe puts him up as uh, one of the backups for Harry Kane or whoever the striker is there. But, you know, we saw what Tottenham did in January, uh, the amount of money they spent there, and Conte wasn't happy with that. Mm-hmm. So you can expect they're going to spend a hell of a lot of money during the summer, and you know, it's really hard to see Troy Parrott breaking in. The, w- the weird thing briefly is, like, Obafemi and per- perhaps Conley, but certainly Obafemi should be in the squad on form. Like, so it's, it's, but both our, of them should be in the squad yeah, on form. Our striker options also, on paper are not that bad. Like, they're not as bad as they actually look. But is it the right thing to do from Stephen Kenny when Obafemi... I don't think it is. Well... Why? Oh, so sorry, I agree with Stephen Kenny. I, I'm like, well, if you're not turned off the 21s, like... Yeah, and if, and listen, if he is maybe carrying do, maybe injuries... Maybe he does have that injury and, maybe, like. and likewise with Aaron Connolly, like, there have been question marks about his attitude, um, both at club level, at international level. Like, get your head together, get mm. yourself right, and show that you need to be there. Uh, and same with Michael Obafemi, and it'd be brilliant if, in a year's time, both of them have sorted out all of that and want to come in and want to be a part of the squad and accept that you're not always going to be first choice and work your way in because again much like as we say Jamie McGrath suddenly dropping down like neither of these players can expect to come in now and just suddenly be first choice like Adam Eda is ahead of them like Will Keane is probably ahead of them mm. so and looking at their two personalities and what we've seen and heard from them so far are they going to be able to cope with that? 
I don't know. I see you as a coach now rather than a journalist, Nathan. You just you just changed the mic. How many badges have you got? Yeah. Show me your badges. badges. Show me your badges, yeah. I can give you badges. It's a terrible shame. Uh, Terry's been in touch to say, I live in Belgium. Friends here expecting an easy 3 or 4 nil win. They expect the same Ireland as in 2016. I give them a nice knowing wink saying, we will surprise you. This is a different Ireland. And also, God, all we need is them to say they play a very British style of football. And also, James has been in touch to say, I remember the triathlon banter well from a few years ago. Owen was a disgrace. <laughs> yes, I was, James. And uh, I don't plan on changing that anytime soon. Uh, quick spirit. tweet here from Phil. Uh, today's OTBA AM will be presented by three actors to protect the identity <laughs> of the real presenters. <laughs> the lights are back. Nathan Murphy is leaving us. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, gentlemen. We are chatting GEA with Carol Kane next.